0: Hey everyone, our recording went quite a bit longer than we intended, so we're actually going to have two parts. This week will be half of our conversation, please stay tuned for next week, where we will complete the conversation, part two, of Losing Our Religion.
1: Welcome to The Walking In Between with Brad and Elenia. Today we talk about losing our religion. Because life is not the mountain top. It's the walking in between, and I like you walking next to me. Well, this is a good morning, and it's a good morning because we're sitting, enjoying tea and coffee, and the kids are here. That
0: well, that's not so weird.
1: <laughs> well, I have to say, during COVID, we haven't had a lot of opportunity to just hang
0: up. Very true. Because you, me,
1: and the two dorky ducks. Yep. Look at Bella over there.
0: People don't want
1: to hear about our dogs, Oh, but. okay. Well, no, they probably don't want to hear about us either. But anyway, um, so just to just to clarify, Lilani and I aren't leaving the church. I know it's an, an intense title, um, but uh, what we did want to talk a bit about today is um, kind of what it means to walk. Well, both of us walk with it, but uh, what it means to kind of walk with. Um, depression and walk, uh, with a Christian upbringing, (laughs) be married to a pastor and have the, the, the heaviness of what goes on in the world, the heaviness of, uh, news and life, heaviness of family and the cloud of depression and what, what that looks like to have to walk with that and have it be connected with, with your faith and, uh, We've had many very serious conversations in our in our lives in our marriage, um, but one of the heaviest was you having to tell me that you just don't believe anymore that the just the, that that had shut off and you were having a real difficult time connecting uh, to the faith that you'd known since you since you were born really
0: yeah and I'd say the faith that was sort of the foundation of our relationship and well, absolutely. everything we, we had gone through. My
1: goodness, yeah. I mean, we we met as I was doing uh, gospel music in a boy in a Christian boy band, um, and we met. I mean, m- well, we met initially at a, at a church, and then a, again at a big youth uh, Christian youth event down in Tacoma, Washington. And so, yeah, it was the foundation. Our first conversations were about our faith and our upbringing, what we believed, and all that kind of stuff. You were, you you uh, you know. Prior to me even meeting you, we writing evangelistic messages on your running shoes. Yes. me <laughs> about Jesus and things like that.
0: Well, so, I, I had always said, actually from the time I was around eight years old, when I first really, you know, had an experience with God and became Christian, that I wanted to be an evangelist. Like, yeah. I just, what I wanted to do was tell people about Jesus and how much he loved them. And I felt like I sort of had a picture of that in my mind. And as I grew up and I was, you know, becoming a performant, performer and falling falling in love with, you know, acting and all that, I, I started to see that as, you know, oh, this is how I can be an evangelist. I can do what I love to do, but I'm going to use it to talk with people and love people well and tell them about Jesus. So right. that really had been the, <laughs> I don't even want to say it because it'll give an indication of how old we are but you know <laughs> that had been the foundation for more than 30 years of my life
1: right yeah right and uh, and I always remember you talking about the the joke like the, you had this great connection um, you questioned and struggled with it at times but you always had this great connection of God giving you the gift so that you could act and you you connecting with God in the way you, you always quoted Eric little Right. Yeah. Scottish oh. missionary and, uh, and Olympian. Yeah,
0: it was whenever I was on stage, I, I felt like I was in my sweet spot, right? Like yeah. that was actually what I was made to do. Yeah. And I used to always say I felt closest to God yeah. when I was performing. And I would use the quote, um, I believe God made me for a purpose, oh, yes. but he and also made, made me fast. fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Yeah. And that had sort of been the foundation for sure of my life. And then, you know, life happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would say, you know, my first bout of depression with my eating disorder, uh, though I would say it shook how I felt. I felt depressed and I felt sad. Um, but God was never out of the equation right. of that. I just kind of didn't understand it. I felt I was sad. Um but that there was just something really wrong with me. The focus just always kind of went back on well, on yeah. myself.
1: Okay, right. Interest. There's something wrong with you that you need to yeah. Deal
0: that, with. You're you know, just not getting through. Yeah, that wasn't God. That was yeah. yeah that was and me. I
1: I remember, and we might have touched on this before, but I, I remember you know as a pastor going to church, meeting with people, giving messages, and and walking with people through difficult things. And i see lights go on with them when when they kind of you know kind of something connected with them. And I remember trying to give you some, you know, I had all these great answers for what you're walking through and great big picture theology. And I just felt like it was hitting a wall, hitting a wall, hitting a wall. Mm -hmm. So one day, um, well, yeah, so one day we had this heavy conversation of you just kind of saying, this is where I'm at. So how hard was it to (laughs) bridge that conversation? Mm -hmm. Here you are married to a pastor. Awful. As you said, our, our, our whole relationship built on on our faith, centered on Christ. And then, so w- tell me a bit about what that was like and how <laughs> well, to approach that.
0: At, at the time, I had decided to take some time off work because I knew my depression mm-hmm. had gotten bad again. And so I was, I was in therapy. I was working through a lot of stuff um and part of what i was working through was i think my disappointment in my faith and and not feeling like god was really there or cared or you know and i actually had heard um about a terrible trauma that a friend had walked through mm-hmm. and i remember it just sort of it just dawned on me in that moment that my faith wasn't big enough to understand why anyone would have to walk through that. Mm-hmm. And I just could not find God in that trauma that my friend experienced. Mm-hmm. And that really, I think, sent, sent me on a bit of a spiral, uh, looking at the world, looking at things around me, even looking at my own pain. And so as I started to, I would say, lose my faith, I, I worked through quite a bit of it in mm-hmm. my therapy. And I remember my therapist just saying, So what if there isn't a God? And I, I remember literally, if anyone's had a panic attack or have, have if you've ever felt that extreme disorientation, all of a sudden I just kind of got dizzy and mm couldn't you know my heart started and I'm just like no then I wouldn't want to live yeah. I wouldn't want to live I, cu- I couldn't live if you know and and so in a way she kind of challenged me because I was already not believing right and yet this thought of maybe not being Christian or not believing in God meant I had to die <laughs> you know like in my mind right. I was like I couldn't live with any sort of you know, um, what's that word? It's, Disconnect? Yeah, or even just a feeling of of not knowing. Right. You know, like right. just not knowing. And, and so I actually wrestled with that. And, and I realized, I admitted to myself finally, yeah, I don't have faith anymore. Mm-hmm. I do not believe there is a God. I do not see God. And I remember explaining to you, so it took about seven months, actually, for me. Yeah. to. And I'm
1: sure that was full of hints.
0: <laughs> oh, for right? sure. For sure. But not hints that I didn't believe in God. Hints that I was struggling right. with certain doctrines or right, certain, right. you know, like if you spoke on something, I think I would kind of poke at it a little bit. Yeah. Not really revealing, you know, I don't buy any of this anymore. And I remember when I finally told you. I explained it as though why it was so painful because I continued to go to church. Mm -hmm. We continued to raise our kids, you know, in the church and as Christians. Um, But what I said is when I go to church now, I walk in and everything I always understood, you know, all it was like, the language so that you just I had—well, like, just the language that I had understood my whole life—yeah, all of a sudden sounded like gibberish. Right. So it wasn't—it wasn't this conscious choice of me listening to what you said and go, "Oh, I don't believe that." Right. It was like it was foreign hmm. to me. Oh, it was literally like I walked in and I—I I could look around me and think, "Do people get this?" Like. Hmm. Are they understanding this? Because yeah. this just seems like gibberish to me. And and I remember explaining to you just how much that hurt. Right. Like to go into a space where I normally felt a part of right. everything. Feeling that like a
1: foreigner thinking. and people shooting yeah. a different idea. And all of a
0: sudden, yeah. to be honest, I just had such empathy for people who found themselves in that place. You know, who... Right find themselves, you know, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And they go, and they're just like, what right. is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it was this moment of uh, extreme loss, yeah. like just extreme loss. And, and I was full of fear that when I told you, because our whole life and relationship had been founded on our faith, and it had gra- been the the rock that we stood on through yeah. all of our difficulties, too. Yeah, yeah. That it, you would just look at me and you wouldn't be able to love me anymore. Mm.
1: And here we are. We can't. We can't pray about it. No, because <laughs> that would be weird. Well, and I remember when you told me that the amount, almost like when you told me you were pregnant with Cadence, who's now just turned seventeen. Um, where all eight, like it's like eighteen to twenty years flashed in front of my eyes, and I freaked out. As if I have to take all of those, I, I pictured every day. Like in one moment, I'm like, I can't handle all this, and made all these assumptions of what it was going to be like to be a father. I immediately made all these quick assumptions about what this meant for us, what this meant for our marriage, what it meant for our kids, mm-hmm. their relationship with you, their relationship with me, them taking sides, like just all these things in a matter of mm-hmm. five minutes, and uh, and really walk with it, questioning that for a long time, just mm-hmm. going, where is this going to go? I because. We both heard so many stories of people who've, who stepped away from the faith, um, just couldn't couldn't buy anymore for whatever reasons, and then you hear later that they're no longer there. There's a divorce, and um, there was someone else now, like. I was playing all of those things so very quickly. Like, oh, if you don't, if you don't believe in Jesus anymore, you don't buy Scripture. Then the covenant of marriage no longer means anything yeah. to you, obviously. Um, so, obviously. so why and, and why would you want to keep living with a pastor? Emma, do you think of me as a hypocrite? Are you, you know? So I just I played all of those out <laughs> very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you did your best to remind me over and over that that's not. And I, in my mind, I'm just going, yeah, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know that this is going to slowly. eat at her, and she's just, she's going to go down this road, and she's going to leave the family. Well,
0: and I think you have had a lot of experience with people who have handled their own struggles that way. Sure. So for you, I think you were just full of fear from all the examples you had in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like like watching the news. (laughs) You you see the same story over and over and over, you're more likely to believe it's going to happen to you. So I've seen heard the same kind of story over and over, I'm like that's the pattern that's the pattern that happens anytime someone steps away from the faith the mirror right, is shot <laughs> right
0: but but i will say um, i think both of us in that moment were also we were both so afraid of rejection from the other person yeah that we just continued to say like no i love you I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love you i don't want to go anywhere i I remember just saying, "I I don't want this. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: no, that's I don't want right. to be walking through yeah. this.
0: Uh, this and and to try and to try and explain to you that it wasn't a choice. Yeah, you know, like that. That was the toughest part for me. And I think I'd always, I hate admitting it, but I think I'd always been judgmental of people who, you know, just didn't believe. Yeah, thinking, well, you know, you just have to have faith. Yeah." You know, sometimes you just have to go beyond. There's no way of describing when faith left me and why it left me. Right. Except that it was gone and I could not find it anymore. So for me, it was, it was a weird time because it was kind of an opening up of realizing, okay, I'm human. Yeah. Um, I am just like other people. Yeah. I am struggling with the idea of there being a God, you know, I had, i I I never really struggled with that. Right. And, and so realizing that you were going, you know, I would say it took us maybe a good month to kind of come together and, you know, without arguments. Right. Right. Just kind of,
1: oh yeah, because my back was, I was so defensive and so scared that it was so hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. that and we important. wanted
0: to t- like I wanted to talk about it be- because I didn't know what kind of the future was going to look like. Yeah. And you, I think, anytime I wanted to talk about it, it was a reality. It just hit you. This is the reality of the situation. Right. right. I have a wife who doesn't believe anymore. Yeah. And yeah. then, obviously, your training and all the, you know, I, I, sit, I think all the theology behind what you believe. Yeah. Basically, that would come into play. So, I think you would start thinking of all the things maybe you needed to say to me, or maybe arguments that I, I had against the faith yeah. you needed to counter argue. But right. really, it was more just like we had to just come to terms with where I was and where you were, and that it was a different place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I, yeah. And I remember I'm, one of my other big fears was the issue of uh, am I going to lose my job? Yeah. I mean, if if the church finds out that my wife, um, your is, who's already just a loose cannon, uh, is now saying she, you know, she doesn't believe anymore, and can I can I still be a pastor? And if if uh, if the church gets wind of this, oh my! If the leadership gets wind of this, oh my
0: goodness! Mm-hmm. I, 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 well, I did keep it. I didn't even tell you for seven months. Right. And then after I told you, I yeah. didn't tell anyone. I think for another six months. Right. Like, I didn't share it or anything. Like, yeah. I was I was scared for you, too. I was right. like, I didn't know what this was going to look like. Yeah. And I didn't want people to think, oh, that poor pastor is married to someone <laughs> who was a Christian and isn't a Christian. Anymore. She did a
1: big switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it took you a while, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, so, today, if you check out podcasts or books or news articles or whatever of, of you know, movements in the church, one of the big movements in the last... Five ten years is the idea of deconstructing faith and de- deconstructing Christianity. Basically, this idea that you, you had a certain faith, whatever that looked like, and however that was built up in your upbringing, and then you open the box and you, unpack, you take it all apart. Hopefully, with the goal to then put it back together in a sensible, uh, useful way. I like I love I love what you said, and I think that's probably the heart of most people who are deconstructing their 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 faith um, is that you you wanted to believe.
0: Right? Yeah. Oh, There's I a, said that over it, and over. I want. I, I miss. Yeah. I miss the comfort and the beauty yeah. of my faith.
1: Well, I, and I, it reminded me of a of a quote, and I, I just looked it up. I know that this this author used it, Julian Barnes, um, who who was Christian but became atheist. Um, I'm not sure if that's him, but I've heard this someone else quote and say, "Do you believe in God?" And he said, "I don't believe in God anymore, but I miss it." Right. <laughs> I just think that's right. such a great, a great way of, of pulling it together. So we walked with that for a while. There was definitely a, and I wouldn't say it's a deconstructing that happened in that time. There was a slow deconstructing going on. Like this is what I was taught. This is how I saw faith modeled in front of me in my home. Um, this is what my husband tells me and what I've heard in church all this time. And th- But this is what I'm walking through and there's this disconnect. Yeah. So what did that look like going from that, letting me know, and then, but what's always, and I've always said this to you and others, is that it would be one thing if you said, this is where I'm at, and then you just said, and so and this I'm is where I'm staying, so I'll, it's fetal yeah. position at the bottom of the bed, or whatever, and I'm just giving up, mm-hmm. but you're, you're always, whether it feels slow to you, or whether it feels like two steps ahead and three behind, you, you've always fought for your mental health, and you've always fought in your faith to go, okay, well, I this part, this sounds right to me. I'm going to grab a hold of that. Um, so how I've did been,
0: you, I, I want to say I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Because I well, don't know what that is in me, and I know some people yeah. just lose their fight. So I don't want to say it's something necessarily that I did. For some reason, I've been able to continue on.
1: So how did that, how did we go from that kind of weird swimming in the strange waters we're uncharted area that we didn't expect in this issue of, of just feeling there's no faith. Um, how, how did you, how were you able to dog paddle through that and then make it kind of stick your head above the water after that or make it to shore? Or, and I, I know everything's perfect now and you have no more questions. So yeah. tell us how you got
0: there. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I would say it was a very, very slow mm-hmm. Plotting journey, I think through my therapy, so I continued going to therapy and I actually changed therapists. And I, I do think he was instrumental in really helping me discover that though you can have questions about life, you can, you know, have questions about whether there's a God or not. All of those are totally valid questions.
1: And biblical questions. Yeah. All through the Psalms. But
0: when it comes down to it, all we have is our own individual life Mm -hmm. and what do we want it to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact is, is that he, even as a counselor, believes that we need a spiritual element to our life. We need something that is bigger than us, something that really infuses us with life. And for him, right. you know, it's, it's very general. You know, he would never say, you need Jesus, or you need this, or you need right, that. Right, but
1: he refuses to live a secular life, meaning a yes. life that cuts off any, any idea of there being something outside of, the, of the, the physical. There has to be a spiritual element to be fully human.
0: Yeah, well, and to be fully healthy, right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah, to be fully yeah. healthy as a human, um, y- there has to be this element of what we don't know you know the fact right. that there is so much we don't know right. and and
1: being willing to live in that in that mystery and that tension
0: yeah, yeah but i think also opening yourself up to different different visions and different ideas than what you've previously understood about god oh yeah and okay. so for yeah. me i think and i think we talked about this a lot because i was also doing a one year program uh, with a group of people, where we, you know we talked about this kind of stuff, and I got to hear other people's stories. And to be honest, often I was like, "See, there is no way there is a God," <laughs> you know, as I listened to <laughs> these people's stories. But as as we all kind of journeyed through, I think having this counselor continue to say to us, you know, when you establish, he he always called it called it the vertical. You know, instead of the horizontal, we're all living a horizontal life. We're just moving and plotting and moving on to the next step, to the next step, to the next step in front of us. Whereas when you connect to the vertical, which is, you know, the up and the down. So looking up, um, realizing that there's something above you, something Mm -hmm. bigger, the idea of the horizontal plot becomes less important. Right. And seeking oh, after and moving towards the vertical can really bring meaning and a different kind of joy and satisfaction to your life. And for me, it was really interesting because I had been raised in the church and thought of being a Christian as one way and one way only. And I think through his um his envisioning, he really did encourage you to use your imagination yeah. and stuff like that. And and I think it was a lot through that, uh, through those methods that allowed me to kind of break through some of the real strong biases and mm-hmm. um, pictures that I had of God and what he was like right. and opened me up to what I now call the bigness of God, like just how oh, big. big God is. And the fact that we try and, you know, put a narrow scope and, and make him in our likeness, you right. know, yeah. like the, so the thoughts I have about God must be, must be true. Right. Instead or, of or even that
1: you've been taught that, yeah. that, that because what, what often happens is that you get, if you're taught a very rigid version of God and a very rigid version of the faith, one of those bricks comes out and is questioned and the whole thing can... And then many have gone, oh, if that's not right, then it must all be... Well, it could just be that that wasn't right. That wasn't the right angle. And so we need to kind of... Yeah,
0: that was sort of the beginning of at least opening my heart up again Mm. to the idea of there being something bigger, than just me please stay tuned for next week where we will complete the conversation part two of losing our religion because life is not the mountain
1: tops it's the walking in between and i like you walking next to me